This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And I'm Lyle Southwell, and this is Gemma Chapman. And you're listening to Faith FM. We've come to our encounter with God section where we are going to join the 20 million movement. We're a little bit behind in our 20 million movement. I think uh, there's probably about 19 million people around the world who are a little bit ahead of us at the moment. But that's okay. We've been having some great Bible studies about the covenants. Covenants in the Bible. And look at all kinds of different covenants. Lawson and I have looked at like 15 different covenants, I think. It's just been amazing. I'm pretty excited for the study, to be honest. Good. Excellent. Before we have the study, Gemma, what do you have for us? I have another clue for the Who Am I quiz. We haven't had any answers yet. No. So I've seen the, the phone ringing, but I have not heard anybody is, answer it. The prize okay, is still Okay, so run us, we, 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 run us through the last couple of clues that we had. Okay, so the first one was, I was a centurion for the Italian regiment. Mm-hmm. The second clue we had was, I lived at Caesarea. Mm-hmm. And the next clue I'm giving you is, God heard my prayer and remembered my gifts to the poor. Okay, so this person was very generous to the poor and mm. was a praying person and lived in Caesarea. You know who Caesarea was named after? No, I don't. Caesar. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. No, I, didn't, I didn't figure that out that long enough before I said no. Like, I could have figured that out. I knew if I just rolled it off the end of my tongue like that, that I would catch you out. You did. Well I done. Did. I, I should have thought about that more. I could have figured that out. It's kind of, uh, yeah, obvious. Wow. But anyway. Okay. I'll, I'll switch my brain on a little bit more for the study. All right, so where are we up to? We are talking about the covenants, and we finished off yesterday. We started to talk about the structure of the everlasting covenant, um, and it more or less has four different parts to it, sanctification, reconciliation, mission, and justification. So let's take a moment to review this and to talk a little bit about each part of it. So I'm wondering, Gemma, whether you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33, please. So that is Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. There is a real Bible there, you know, right? I really, really love my phone Bible because I can highlight and make notes. This isn't my paper Bible. So if I like write things in here or highlight things. That's no, that's my bad, paper Bible. You can't write anything in my paper exactly. Bible. Exactly. So that's why I'm going to use my phone because then I can highlight the verses that I like. See, this is, this is my paper Bible that I've had for like 30 years. And how much highlighting or notes can you see in it? Do you have a Bible? Okay, sorry, I have to pause. Do you have a Bible that you like make notes and highlight? And no, really, no. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, don't have one. Oh. No, it's not my habit. I respect people who that is their habit, but it's not my habit. Definitely mine. Yeah, you've got uh, all kind. You've got one of these rainbow Bibles, all full of colours and yeah. notes and highlights and sticky notes and bookmarks and yeah, I'm one of those people. I like to make notes. Awesome. 31, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 33, please. Says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay. Um, When we look at this particular verse right here, where is God going to put his law within the passage? Write it on their hearts. Where else? Uh, on their minds as well. Minds and hearts. Yeah. 
And if you know God writing His law on your mind is obviously so that you know what it says on your heart, so that you want to you know you, you want to do it. And we talked about this briefly yesterday because really this is what sanctification is all about: God writing His law within us, so that when so that as followers of God, we are followers of the law of God. We we keep the law of God through His power. Mm. So we looked at how the old covenant is obviously keeping the law through, or trying to keep the law through our own power and is always going to fail. And the new covenant is keeping the law through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we've got a reference there to sanctification. It says then, I will be their God, they will be my people. And really what you've got here is, you know, God's desire for everybody. This is what was broken when Adam and Eve first sinned uh, because they cut themselves off from God. And the whole plan of salvation, the whole Bible story is all about breaking that, sorry, restoring that broken connection with God. So when you come down to the end of the Bible, down in uh, Revelation chapter 21, when you know sin has come to an end, it says, you know, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle or the living place of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so what began in the Garden of Eden and was broken in the Garden of Eden has now been restored again. And so you've got God with his people, walking with his people in the cool of the evening in the Garden of the Eden. You have that being broken. And it pretty much takes you all the way through to the end of Revelation for that to be restored again. And, of course, it's restored through the covenant. Okay, verse 34. What have we got there in verse 34? And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Okay, so we've got a an aspect of mission coming through here. Mm. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. And how do people get to know God? They get to know God by other people leading them to God. You know, that's primarily how it happens. Um, what I find interesting about the New Covenant here is that the New Covenant is built around the concept of knowing God. And so right here in Jeremiah, you've got this whole concept of uh, having a relationship with God. And, you know, many people say, well, you know, relational Christianity is a very modern thing. You know, it's been around for about 150 years or so. Others will say, well, you know, relational Christianity is something that belongs in the New Testament. But right here, you've got it in the Everlasting Covenant. The Everlasting Covenant is about a relational religion. It's about knowing God, knowing as him as your as your savior, your, savior, um, your Lord and your best friend. Finally, you have that line there that says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Uh, what's that a reference to? I don't know. Mm, okay, so here's a thought. Um, forgiveness in the Bible, another word for forgiveness is justification. Yeah. So here you've got your sanctification, reconciliation, mission and justification. So to go through those big words very quickly, sanctification simply means to be made into a saint, saint-ified, nice. which is available to every single human being. Um, and, of course, every person who accepts Jesus Christ uh, is a saint in a biblical sense. You do not have to go through a beatification process to become a saint. Uh, you simply need to give your life to Jesus Christ, and he makes you a saint. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Saint Gemma, right there. Easy. Because Gemma has given her life to Jesus. We can call No tricks, no catch. Gemma. 
That's right. Wow. Uh, and of course, we don't pray to saints. Yeah. We're not going to be praying to you know each other because we are biblical saints. <laughs> that would be weird. We pray to Jesus Christ alone. That makes a lot more sense. That's what the Bible says. So you've got sanctification or sanctification. Uh, you've got reconciliation. Being, I think we use that word more commonly in... Um, um, the English language today, so you know, being made right with God. You've got mission, and then you've got justification. The easy way to remember what justification means is just as if I'd never done it. Justified. Nice. Forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There you go. All right, and of course, that is the everlasting covenant that is repeated in Hebrews chapter 8. Okay, looking more at uh, covenantal structure. What is interesting is that, you know, Bible scholars and historians have recognized that the covenant in the Bible, or many of the covenants, I should say, in the Bible, uh, follow a typical covenantal structure from their era. So archaeologists, of course, have been able to excavate many libraries, many ancient libraries, and the great thing about the ancients is that they did not record their history on um, flash drives (laughs) or hard drives. Um, or anything like that. Or iPhones. Or iPhones. Neither did they record their history uh, on paper. Because all of those things deteriorate very, very easily and very, very rapidly. And, uh, you know, how long does paper last for? The oldest book in my library, I think, is about 300 years old. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty impressive. That is. Like. Uh, for a book that's made out of paper. Yeah. Um, the oldest piece of digital information that there is in the world. I mean, how many computers have had you have you had crash in your lifetime? Ooh. Oh, many. And of course, these days we store that information in the cloud. I don't like that, to be honest. And it's kind of most like, people do. Yeah, and I kind of wonder. All right, that information is stored in the cloud. Is that going to? Is the cloud going to be as resilient? as what the ancients did when they stored their information in stone. Yeah, true. You know, cloud, stone, it just does not give me that feeling of confidence. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But when they invented the cloud, if they'd have called it the stone, I wonder whether it would have (laughs) the same marketing uh, ability as the cloud and it would have portrayed the right kind of a image. I don't like the cloud because it's just not tangible. I don't feel safe with my information. No. But if it's carved in stone... If it was in a stone, I'd feel pretty content. I'd feel pretty safe Yeah, if I had my information in stone. Absolutely. I've written things that were... I've read things that were written on stone, you know, two and a half thousand years ago. That's really cool. I've seen things that were written on stone three and a half thousand years ago. The ones I read were written in Latin. That's a long time. You can kind of figure out Latin a little bit. I I don't know what it said, but you could read the letters. Nice. Yeah. This is really seriously ancient stuff that goes back a long, long, long way. And, you know, you can go to many of these uh, famous rocks today and you can read the message that is there um, and has been there ever since. When I was in Ethiopia earlier in the year, there was King Azana's stone, which is personal testimony. Oh, wow. Uh, Third century. You know, it's like nearly... Nearly 2,000 years old. And you saw that? Yes. That's so cool. You can go there today and you can read his personal testimony um, of how he gave his life to God and he set that stone up you know, beside the main highway into the capital city of Aksum 
so that anybody entering his city was like, I'm a servant of God. This is how I met Jesus. This is how I gave my life to God. Wow. Cursed is anyone who moves this stone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, the stone is still there, yep. right beside the highway, sitting under a tin shed in a farmer's paddock <laughs> because they will never move it. Wow. They honor the fact that King Azana set that, and, you know, and just the fact that you can go there and see that, it's like this is the testimony. You know, Gemma, is your testimony that is stored in the cloud still going to be around in two and a half thousand years' time from here? Oh, look, probably not. Probably not. I should write it in stone. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> that might be an expensive procedure. Maybe, yeah. Uh, okay, but we can read many of the covenants, and covenants were common in those days. This was kind of like a legal agreement, a um, bit like an MOU, um, something like that, but with uh, greater legal, um, bind, more, more legally binding that. Um, but basically, you know, God communicated to people in a manner that they, in their culture, could understand, and we can still understand it today. So covenants were common, um, and in the time of ancient Israel, they had a number of parts. You had a preamble, mm. who God is, a historical prologue, it's a big word, uh, which defines their past relationship. Then you have stipulations, laws, and agreements. I will be your God, you will be my people, I, you will be my special possession, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So you've got... Stipulations and laws, blessings and cursings. This is what happens if you do not keep the covenant. Mm. Uh, witnesses. So God is a witness. Moses is a witness. People are a witness. Whoever it might be. Uh, special provisions or a sign of the covenant. And in each example, it generally follows this structure. In each example in the ancient world, that's that's your basic structure of yeah, a covenant. Cool. Okay. Yeah, they had a basic structure. So it's kind of like a template. Yeah. You know, so you, you jump onto your you know, your pages software or other, you can download all kinds of you've got all kinds of templates that are already there and if you want to write some kind of uh I mean you do a similar thing document. writing documents today. Like I mean, you know, get, yeah. doing legal things, you'd look at a template and Away you go. Copy that same kind of structure. Yep. Cool. Yep. when I'd want to do something like that, I have my whole page of templates and you can download any kind of template you want pretty much off the internet and I just Start adding words into the blank spaces, and it comes and out go. comes out looking very professional. And people are like, "Ooh, wow, he can do that!" It's like, no, the trick is templates. I just use the template, and so this is the template that they had back in the day. Um, and so, if you look, for example, the entire book of Deuteronomy mm. is a covenant. The whole book, the whole the book as a whole, is one is covenant. one covenant. Wow, yeah. Um, it's a covenant of grace. So Deuteronomy is definitely a gospel-centered book. Um, but if you look at the first you know, few verses, you have a preamble. Mm. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, followed by a historical prologue, which goes from 1, verse 6 through to 4, verse 43. See, the first four chapters is the historical prologue. This, is the, this is, defines the past relationship between us and God. Mm. Um, then you have stipulations or laws, and you've got about 22 chapters of stipulations and laws. And then you've got blessings and cursings, which is about three chapters worth of like, okay, you follow this covenant, this will be the blessing you will receive. You reject this covenant. This is the consequence. This is the consequences yeah. of it. 
and then you've got witnesses. Um, and finally, special uh, provisions in chapter 31. So the entire book is just one big covenant. I'd never looked at it like that. That makes no. a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd never looked at it like that either until I found it in this particular Bible study. I'm like, wow. It makes so much more sense. Like, Check yeah, that out. Wow. That's really cool. So we're going to look at another example, which is Joshua chapter 24. Let's see if we can find in Joshua 24 a covenant, the structure of a covenant. All right, so what we're looking for uh, to begin with is a a preamble, you know, mm-hmm. who God is. Uh, why don't you just start for us in verse 1. Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Keep going. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt. And afterwards, I brought you out as a free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and charioteers. When your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the... Gergoshites. Nice. The Hivitites and the Jebusites. I gave you victory over them, and I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Okay, let's stop there. Do we have the beginnings of a structure of a covenant here? So do we have a historical preamble? Absolutely. Yes. Um, And so the historical prologue is past relationship with God defined. And so Mm -hmm. really that's what you've got. Uh, Joshua begins by saying, okay, this is who God is. And this is God's interaction with us throughout our history from the Mm -hmm. time of Abraham. Yeah, step by step, each circumstance that yep. God was there and what He did. All the high points. Yeah. Where else in the Bible do you find that? Any any thoughts on that? Because I'm just sort of off the top of my head. If you go to Stephen's sermon, mm. think about where Stephen's sermon begins. Stephen's sermon before the Sanhedrin begins with the same historical prologue that uh, Joshua has just given right here. Mm. Yeah, recounting all the circumstances uh-huh, where God had been there. Uh-huh, yeah, wow. Uh-huh. So it's almost like. 
you've got half a covenant there that is cut in half when they execute him. Wow. I'm going to have to go and look at that in more detail. Wow, that's if you've got some wonderful. thoughts on that, because they're just coming to my mind right now, 1-800-324-843, give us a call, and uh, you might have some thoughts on that. You know, was, uh, was Stephen actually introducing them to the everlasting covenant in the form of a covenant? We know that he was preaching about the everlasting covenant, but was it the form of a covenant? Maybe during the song break, I'm going to look that up. I'm really interested in that right now. We're going to listen to Lady Love Smith and Reggie Smith, who are going to bring to us in the sanctuary. We have a high priest up in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, he's our defender before the Father. In a temple made by God, not man. Behind the veil, in a place most holy, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah. Investigating, he clears the record of those redeemed by his own blood. He's blotting out my sin in the sanctuary. He seals my sanctuary He's purifying heaven's temple Hallelujah Oh hallelujah In preparation for his return
sanctuary in the sanctuary in the sanctuary Lady Love Smith and Reggie Smith with In the Sanctuary here on Faith FM. I'm in trouble from our producer. I'm behind in the Bible study. She's picking out all the songs to go with the Bible study, and I'm way behind. That's all right. We will catch up at some point. Next clue. Yes. For the Who Am I quiz, still no answers, so there still is a prize up for grabs. There is indeed. If you know the answer. And the next clue for you. Peter preached the gospel to my family, my friends, and me, even though we were Gentiles, and as a result, we were saved. Okay. Even though we were Gentiles. Even though, that's a big clue right there. Even though we were Gentiles, and as a result, we were saved. Can you imagine that Peter preached to Gentiles? I mean... How dare he? How bizarre <laughs> is that? Um, okay, but when this did happen, it was truly bizarre. Mm. It was like... <laughs> Peter did some Peter did some wild stuff on this trip. Mm. He he broke it about every rule that there was in the book. He, I mean, this is the, this is how much courage he had. He went under the roof. He went inside the home of a gentile, and he ate food. Whoa, that's <laughs> hilarious in today's culture. <laughs> but when you think about it in the culture of those days, that was radical Scandalous. to the max. Yeah, scandalously. Progressively radical. Mm. Yeah. Today it just seems normal. It does because we're all Gentiles. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I'm assuming you're a Gentile. You're a Gentile? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. I never asked that question before, I didn't know. <laughs> okay, where are we up to? We are in um, talking about the covenants and we're back. Let's go back to Joshua. So, yeah, during the break, Gemma and I did a little bit of research into Acts chapter 7. And, yeah, I think Acts chapter 7 was intended, the sermon there was intended to be in the form of a covenant mm. because it has the preamble about who God is. It has a significant historical prologue. And then when um, when Stephen is about to get to you know stipulations and laws, point of the, uh, of the sermon, when he's about to start talking about Jesus Christ and he talks about, 
how that God, you know, cannot live in a temple that is made with hands, in a direct reference to the temple there in Jerusalem. He sees the court lose the plot. He's like, I got seconds left. And kind of pretty much just jumps to blessings and cursings. Um, and gets pretty much cut off before he gets to any special provisions or sign of the covenant. Although there is a sign of the covenant. Yeah. Because he looks into heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. A sign of the covenant right there. It's a pretty glorious sign. There are two places in the Bible where Jesus stands up. The other one is in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. I'm getting sidetracked. A little bit, yeah. But both times... That's a good point. Both, both times is close of probation. Jesus went into heaven sat down on the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Yep. He stands up, probation closes. Wow. Huh. Do some study on that. Yeah. Most interesting. One, of course, you know, at the end of time, probation closes on the whole world. But in Acts chapter 7, it's 34 AD, and probation is closing on the Jewish nation as God's only chosen special uh, people. Yeah, okay. And that now it's becoming the Christian church. Okay, that makes sense. I'm yeah. following now. Yeah, ah. cool. Side point. We are not going to get through this Bible study if we keep hitting side points. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 24 and let's pick up in verse 14 where the first two words, first three words are, Now therefore fear the Lord your God. So he has done a preamble about who God is. He's done a historical prologue. He's defined the past relationship with God. And now he comes to the now therefore part of the covenant. Mm. In other words, because of all of this, because we have had this past relationship with God, and because this is who God is, now therefore, what happens? What have you got for us there? So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Okay, so um, he basically, you know, now therefore, fear God. And if you're not going to fear God, you need to make a decision. Mm. Make it right now. My family, we're going to serve God. (coughs) That's simple. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. <clears throat> and my microphone keeps getting okay. It's all yours for Sam. Okay. <laughs> While Lyle's dying over here in the corner, quietly dying in the background. Okay, so now we move on to uh, verse nineteen, and oh, okay, and then you've got, of course, the uh, the people answer in verse sixteen. What do the people say? We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Okay, so they put in their uh, in, in in their their bit of what they say. Let's go down to verse 19 and 20. Then Joshua warned the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. Okay, so here we come to the blessings and the cursings part. Mm. 
And it's interesting, he says, you can't serve God. Because the people have said there in verse 16, ah, yeah, we'll serve God, which is exactly what they said in the Old Covenant. Right. They've made a promise they can't keep. And he knows they're making a promise that they can't keep because they're not thinking of conversion. They're just thinking like, yeah, yeah, we just follow the law. Tick, 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 done. No, that's not how it works. There's no real relationship connection there. It's exactly. just, I'll tick the box. I'm exactly, safe. exactly. Okay. That's the old covenant. Right, which is why then Joshua warns them, like, if you do that, this is yeah. your consequence. That's right. You can't serve okay. God. You don't have the power to serve God. Mm. And so if you do that, you know, if you just tick the boxes, you're going to end up in idolatry. Right. And if you end you up in before. idolatry, you're going to end up back, you know, you may as well have stayed in Egypt. Yeah. Okay, let's go down to uh, verse 22, please. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. Okay, so we've got some witnesses coming in here now. Oh, yeah. So we're working our way through the structure of a covenant. Now let's go down to verse uh, 25 and 26. Let's see if there's any special provisions. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions. As a reminder of their agreement, he took a huge stone and rolled it beneath the... Ooh, the... Turbinth tree? Beside the tabernacle of the Oak Lord. Oak tree. Oh, really? Yes. What is this translation? What? Okay. I have... My translation is an old 1611 King James Version. Nice. And for the first time ever in the history of translations, <laughs> mine is easier to understand than yours because mine says oak. And I'm pretty confident, Gemma, you would be able to pronounce oak. Hopefully. O-A-K. It's a three-letter word. I'm studying a degree. You'd hope I could pronounce the word oak. So uh, yours says tabernacle tree, which is possibly a more accurate, accurate translation, but I don't know what Ooh, kind of okay. tree that is. And so he sets that up there as a witness, a stone of witness that this is something that they had uh, chosen and um, set themselves to. Okay, verse 15, really important uh, verse uh, right there um, where they are called to make a decision. And I think this is, um, you know, this is bread and butter for Bible workers pastors, ministers, and evangelists across the world is that you can do all of the great preaching that there is, but if you do not call people to make a decision, they won't make a decision. So why don't you make a decision for Jesus today? This is Crowder, All My Hope.
stranger to the prison I've worn shackles and chains But I've been freed and forgiven Yes, I have I'm not going back I'll never be the same That's why I sing from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us and we'd love to see you there. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Deliver me. 
You're listening to Ron and Paddy Valiant with Deliver Me here on Faith FM. What have you got for us there for our next clue? The next clue is, an angel appeared to me and told me to send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon. Whose surname was Peter, who lives with one Simon, a tanner by the seesaw. Just to finish that little section off. Nice. Yeah, it's one of my kind of favourite stories, stories in the Bible. Okay, what have we got for a question of the day, Gemma? Okay, so a question is one that I've always had mm-hmm. is if Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, therefore we have grace, mm-hmm. why do we keep laws? You know, it's one of those questions that because of Christian culture, sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. But it doesn't actually. Right. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Think about it like this. Before I came to Jesus, I was doing a fine job of breaking the law. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay, right, yeah. Why do I need to come to Jesus so I can keep breaking the law? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Does it make any sense? Like, oh, great, we have grace. We can, you know, break the law now. No, I was breaking the law before I came to Jesus. I need to come to Jesus so that I can keep the law. Wow. So that I can be a new person. This is what conversion is all about. It's becoming more like Jesus. And nobody's ever going to argue that. Everybody like, yeah, 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 we become more like Jesus. Well, guess how you become more like Jesus? Becoming more like Jesus is another way of saying you keep the law. Because Jesus kept the law. Yeah, okay. Because Jesus kept the law and every expression of being like Jesus is an expression of keeping the law. The law is a, is a law of love. It's all about love to God. It's all about love to each other. First four commandments are about love to God. The, the last six are about love to uh, each other. And therefore, the whole, com- the whole law is about love. Jesus' life is a way of love. Why would you want to keep breaking the law of God after you come to Jesus? Now, here's where it gets confused. Because there have been those, very, very rare, mostly misunderstood, but there have been those in the past who have proposed the idea of keeping the law so that you can come to Jesus. Right. And that will never work. Law first, then Jesus. Rather That's than right. Jesus, therefore keep the law. Exactly. Okay. And so one is a means to salvation, the other is a response to salvation. Yeah, okay. You see the difference between the two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So salvation by works is where keeping the law is a means to salvation. Salvation by grace is where keeping the law is a response to salvation. Yeah, the means to salvation is where you're keeping the law because you're doing all the right thing because you think you're going to work your way into being saved. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So what happens if you come to Jesus then and refuse to keep the law? Does that make sense? 
Not really. No, when you actually stop, yeah, why? In the first place, because you're just doing the same thing you were doing beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And isn't the whole point of coming to Jesus to have a better life and an eternal life and to know Jesus? You know, this is this is, and so why would you come to Jesus? Like, well, you know, all of the good things that Jesus has uh, offered to me, i.e., keeping the law of God. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to have any of having to do with any of those things. So then, why have Jesus in the first? So place? why have Jesus? Yeah, there's no point Whoa. at all. Mind blown. That's yeah. awesome. Ah, praise God. Okay, so law keeping is you know we keep the law not to be saved, but because we are. Law breaking. On the other hand, mm. is a demonstration that we don't actually want to be like Jesus. Yeah, that we're turning away from what we're trying to get to, the example and we're trying to live for. What you say or what you profess with your mouth, if it is not the same as what you do, your actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Which is why the Bible says we are judged by our works, because our actions speak louder than words. And we are not judged by our profession. We are judged by our works, the Bible says, because our works are not what saves us. They are a demonstration that we have been saved. And more so, they are a demonstration that the universe can see that we have been saved because God, obviously, he knows whether we're saved lost anyway. Absolutely. He already knows that you know, long beforehand. Anyway, a few thoughts to think about. This is Sierra Hull, Trust and Obey.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Sierra Hull with Trust and Obey here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of their show. We are about to give something away that Gemma is about to dig out of the box. In fact, she has dug it out of the box. And, of course, this is the uh, famous story of Desmond Doss. I'm sure we are all familiar with the story of uh, Hacksaw Ridge made famous by the movie several years ago. This is one of my favourite. Like, I love the movie. I love the story. I love everything about this. The movie was incredible. Have you read? And then have I did you, okay, so this one you've got here is the abridged version. Have you read the full version by Burton Herndon? No, 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 I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, amazing. Like, I, I love this story, this guy, the history, the movie, all of it. It's just call us and get this book because it's amazing. I'm super impressed. I don't meet a lot of people who have gone to the effort to dig out, find an original copy of the extended version of the story. I did heaps of research on this guy. I think I think the whole story behind it was incredible. Wow. I haven't read the whole book. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I haven't read the whole abridged, like the full, like it, it's a lot. It's a lot of research. Yeah, but even still, have you watched the, uh, the doco? Ah, you didn't even know there was a doco. I didn't even know there was a doco. Really? To be honest, the doco's a little bit lame. Oh, okay. No, no, no. The producer's <laughs> is saying this very, very good. I'll have to watch it. No, I haven't. I'm just comparing it with the movie, I guess. The movie but anyway. was amazing. I mean, it was a Hollywood movie, though. So the yeah, yeah, it was right. probably. Right. I'll watch the documentary. Uh, um, yeah, guys sort of... Um, we go to the movie and there's... Yeah, anyway. There's guns and shooting and all kinds of stuff that guys get into. Um, okay, if you would like a copy of this particular book, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and it will be coming your way for free, or you can text us on 0491 Be the first caller through. You will be getting a copy of The Hero of Hacksaw Ridge right here on Faith FM.
away 